Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show... James Edwards and I, we like to periodically get together on the show and break down the NBA. The thing is, though, that what we decided to do over the last couple of days is the boring stuff. It's not the exciting stuff. We dredged through NBA media days, which, as James will tell you, I'm going to ask him here momentarily, can be just the most banal, boring days that you have. And we got the most important storylines for you that you need to know heading into this NBA season that came out of NBA media days. James was at his own media day as the athletics beat writer for the Detroit Pistons. James, first and foremost, how are you doing uh, before we get into how media day was? I'm doing good, man. I'm uh, I'm tired, but it's not from just laying around all day. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be back in the swing of things, to have a reason to wake up and take a shower. Instead of letting that linger till 3 p.m., it's 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 good to get my my hygiene back on track. Uh, it's also just good to be kind of just have something to do every day. Uh, the the summer the summer months are fun and you enjoy them, but when September hits, you start to get that itch to like, all right, I need something to do today. So I'm in a good <laughs> space. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a it's been a fun last week. So you were at the Detroit Pistons media day. Yes. What can you explain for people what the vibe is at these media days before we dive into the things we wanted to talk about? It's essentially, it's essentially speed dating. If I, I think of that, I think that's a great way to describe it because not only are the, yes, it's media. And I think when people think media day, they think like the reporters who cover the team, like this day is all about them. It's not the case. The teams get their own media. So like when you see the, the Pistons intro on the jumbotron before the game, that shot at media day, all these gimmicks where they're doing uh name this movie or name this Island or name 10 countries in, in Africa. Like that stuff's done on media day. So p- the players are getting dragged in all different types of directions. Um, it's a, and then when one guy has a free moment, he steps into the, the press room and that's when we have our crack at him. So a lot of cliches, um, <laughs> a, a lot of uh, how much weight did you lose? How much weight did you gain? The best shape of my life, the worst shape of my life. It 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 is what it is for for a writer. It's not necessarily the best place to get content. Um, but it is good to see everybody and kind of get back in that mode too. So we have a whole section listed here for Muscle Watch because we got one of the all-time great Muscle Watch uh, quotes in history uh, on Monday in the United States. So let's dive in, though. We're going to set a five-minute timer on each of these things, and we're going to talk about them. And we're going to kind of dive into what they mean in terms of league-wide implications. So first, 
Shay Gilgis Alexander finally addressed the constant rumors that seem to be pervading the internet about his status as a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder. I found this entire thing to be completely ridiculous. Uh, I don't really understand. It feels like it just came naturally out of like some New York Knicks fever dream <laughs> to try and get Shea Gilgis Alexander out of Oklahoma City. He's Sam Presti. Yeah, Sam Presti on Sunday said the only reason we're talking about it is because another player on another team got traded. The machine, the aggregation machine is empty now. So we need a little more content. That's the price of admission. It's not a penalty. No one's out to try and disrupt the thunder or create problems for the thunder. It's a business we work in. You shouldn't be surprised by that because there needs to be content. We need attention. Attention drives advertisements. Advertisements drive salaries. That's how it works. We have to be able to perform irrespective of that. So I think I'm level setting that to say that if Donovan Mitchell was not traded already, you wouldn't ask me that question. So therefore, I don't think they're related. Shea Gilgis Alexander tells our Andrew Schlecht, dear yep. sweet friend of the program, Andrew Schlecht, uh, I know what I signed up for when I signed a five-year extension, and I don't think we're going to be losing for much longer. I believe in this team. So, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, I have not understood these trade rumors from the jump. Have you? N- no, I have not. Um, and I also, as a media member, I like you asked that question, like when you're trying to manifest you're trying to connect dots and it's not like a natural storyline. Like I just don't get think, I don't understand what you think their answer is going to be. Like, I feel like it's just a wasted, like I'd be pissed if I was sitting in that media room ready to go home after three hours and you're asking about him getting traded. Yeah. And also I'll say this, like, the way that Andrew did it, I think makes sense. Like you have, oh, no, him he did sat a great down. job. Yeah. Yeah. You have him sat down for a one-on-one and he is on camera. He gets a chance to address it and that's it. Right. Yeah. Um, you do it like in a media session, it's just going to create chaos. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, but I like the way Andrew did it. I think it was smart, but I don't really get where the Shea rumors have come from. It feels like there are other front offices maybe that are trying to like leak into the media to try and pull Shea Gilgis Alexander out of Oklahoma city as opposed to like, why in the world would Oklahoma city even want to consider moving Shea, like even by some ridiculous standard, like I don't believe this has happened, but even if he would go in to Oklahoma city and say, Hey Sam, uh, I really don't want to be here anymore. I would like a trade. Sam Presti is just going to say no. Right. Right. Yes. You're locked in. You're the part of our rebuild along with Chet Holmgren and Josh Giddy. We're not moving you. Like that's what it would come down to. Right. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think where it comes from, I don't think that narrative would have been stirred up if Chet didn't get hurt. I think there Maybe. is, yeah. I, th- I think there's the idea out there that the Thunder, and they listen, they were going to probably be really bad again if Chet played, but I think there's the idea now that they're like, okay, they're going to tank again, like tank a season again. And it's like, well, you have this good young player. Maybe your timelines push back a year because Chet got hurt. Like, does it make more sense to trade him? Like, I think those are the dots that people are connecting. If it's not what you said, kind of starting to be planted by opposing uh, front offices. Uh, I I think those dots are what people are trying to connect. And it's like, no, like, Shea's still young. He's still very young. He's still under contract. Uh, It just doesn't 
he doesn't seem disgruntled. He signed that deal in the middle of them being absolutely terrible. He knew what he was getting into. Like it's it's not like he was Kevin Love when Kevin Love signed his deal and he thought it could go one of two ways. Like Shea knew what it knew what it was. Yeah, and Shea is in the first year of this deal. Like right. it's not like he is, you know, in year three and time is running low for the Thunder and you know they need to make strides now. He's in the first year. This is the first year of this extension. Yeah. It is it is insane to think that the Thunder would move him at any point in the next year. Uh m- maybe like if things broke totally wrong, they won 10 games this year and like it turned into a total nightmare and he really got disgruntled, which by the way, like Shea Gilgis Alexander, not a guy to like, you know, go to the media and absolutely trash things. Right. Yeah. Like he's yep. pretty quiet by nature. Yeah. I just don't, uh, I don't even see that. Like it, uh, it seems like a very silly conversation to me. It's just, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it happens okay. if Chad doesn't get hurt. Number two, Zion Williamson. I think the note that I sent you in our little preview is Jesus Christ, Zion Williamson is jacked again. Yeah. Um, holy shit, Zion Williamson. Like if we're going to do like a muscle watch section and we're going to save that to the end, but like I think Zion deserved his own section yes. because he is in the best shape we've seen him in his NBA career. And look, let's be real about it. That's not saying a lot. Zion has dealt with injury. He dealt with injuries his first year and I think came back and didn't really have conditioning. His second year, he was in pretty good shape, but I think that like you could see it defensively, right? Where his kind of motor didn't run all the way hot all the time in comparison to what it did at Duke. Mm-hmm. Last year, obviously, was out for the whole year. There were many images of him looking like he was something like 300 pounds. He looks phenomenal this year. And this is something Will Guillory at our website has written about. You should go read his story about how he's gone about doing it. But Zion looks awesome. And I've had some questions about this uh, New Orleans team and just the lineups they're going to use. Not Mm -hmm. about the talent. I think they're extremely talented. But seeing Zion come in like this just makes me think, oh, this has a chance to be like a monster, monster team. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, Yeah, I hope for Zion's sake that assuming he hasn't been in New Orleans uh, a lot the last few months, I hope now that he's back in New Orleans permanently, that doesn't uh, impact what he's built because kudos to him. It looks like he really worked his tail off. Uh, but as you know, Sam, the New Orleans food will get you. Uh, oh, there's, yeah. There's a lot of it, and it's not very Ooh. good for you. So I'm actually very curious because I think that is kind of like a base point because he's this is legitimately, with our own eyes, the best we've seen him look. And if he goes through a season and we start to see him maybe gain a little weight, like maybe that is a conversation that needs to be had. But he looks phenomenal. I agree with you. There are questions about the lineups on this Pelicans team, but this is like they're going to be my league pass team of the season. Like when I'm not at a game and the Pels are playing, I'm going to be watching the Pelicans. Like I think they're going to be so much fun. Yeah. And you know what? Like there's the big thing about coming into the season in shape for players is that the season goes so quick. It just is so fast paced and you have games every night and you're just like losing calories. Your drop guys tend to lose weight throughout the season as opposed to gain weight because it's just hard to keep it on. It's hard to keep that kind of muscle mass on. Now, as long as Zion is on like a, 
you know, strong diet and like has everything going. I think there's reason to believe that like he could get even in better shape throughout the yeah. course of the season, not worse shape uh, because of this. So it's enormously important that Zion's coming into play uh, and coming into the season as healthy as he is and as in shape as he is. Uh, I couldn't be more excited for this Pelicans team. Like, I think that I was kind of like, oh, 46 and a half on their win total over, over under when Robbie Calland and I did their over under. Mm-hmm. Seeing Zion makes me think they have a chance to like go way over uh, if this all goes right. I think they're, like I said, you know, they have a lot of defensive questions because their big three players, or really their four best players, are Zion, CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas. All mm-hmm. four of those guys have their own defensive concerns in some way. But if the offense is as good as it has a chance to be, it might not matter. And they're yeah, long, they're matter. big, they're athletic. They've Herb Jones and Trey Murphy. Like they might just be able to shrink the court on teams defensively while being more athletic and being able to do everything they want offensively. They're going to remind me a little bit defensively, not to the same extent because that team went really big, but in terms of length, the, the championship Lakers team of 20, what year was that? 2020. 2020. Like just when you saw that team in person, how long they were and how big they were like, again, they're not going to have the exact same size in the front court, but I mean, you just named a bunch of guys that just have abnormal wingspans and I think they're going to shrink the court. I think that alone might make them a little bit better defensively than the individuals uh, that they have. Uh, I I just, yeah, I can't wait. I want to say like, I want to give like a shocking hot take prediction for the Pelicans, but I, I can't think of one that's that's not a little too uh, a little too hot to touch. But I'm going to think of one because I love this team. <laughs> I love this team. Okay, let's go to a bit more of a depressing uh, media day. Uh, Mark Spears noted that the Phoenix Suns had what he called, and I quote, the most depressing media day in history. Uh DeAndre Ayton does not look real enthusiastic to be there. Uh, he was, uh, he is on video saying that he and Monty Williams have not talked since game seven against the Mavericks when they got into uh, a verbal discussion on the sidelines. Let's go with uh, James Jones obviously was asked about the Robert Sarver investigation and suspension. Uh, He was quoted as saying he was in a state of shock. Just personally, you don't want to see those types of findings. You don't want that to be the narrative around your organization. You don't want that to be an issue. Uh, Just a wild like situation with Phoenix because this team won like 10 more games than anybody else last year in the NBA and it feels horrible. Uh, you have to feel really horrible if you're a Suns fan right now, um, given the cloud over that organization. Maybe I'm, maybe it's, this is on me uh, and I wasn't paying attention as closely as I needed to this off season, but I was, I was kind of taken aback by the Deandre Ayton session. Uh, mm-hmm. You would assume while, even though going through the whole free agency process with him and, is he getting traded? Like it was, it wasn't handled well. It was very clear that there was a situation there. But I would have guessed that that at least got to a cordial point. They don't have to be best friends, but I would have, I would have assumed it was at least cordial. Um, obviously, we have no idea. I mean, it sounds like they don't even look at each other when they walk past each other. 
Um, yeah. How, how would they have not talked? That's my question. I, I wonder, I thought I saw a tweet. I thought I saw, I thought I saw what you said, but then I thought I saw another one that says they didn't talk about game seven. Maybe. Yeah. But like, how do you not address that? I yeah, guess, I'm, I'm, exactly. Thing. Like, especially when you're bringing him back in the building, he was doing the pro the team promos for the new jerseys. Like it felt like everything was starting to be good. Um, Man, it just goes to show you in this league how quick a, a title window can close. Not saying that they're still not titles contenders, not saying that they can't figure it out, that whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, they were – that was the one team that got every that got everybody to like Chris Paul. Um, people were rooting for Chris Paul because that Suns team, just they were just so professional, the way that they played, the leap that they took when they added him, like – I, you, it was hard to find somebody that didn't enjoy that Suns team and wasn't rooting for that Suns team. Yeah. But now it's like, do they get? Do the players get along? Is does Chris Paul have another year left in him? Um, how is this affecting Devin Booker, who's just been kind of quiet and as he is, just doing his own thing? But I'm sure it's impacting him in some way or form. So, yeah, very weird. In the Robert Sar, like we haven't talked and, about Robert Sarver, but yeah, like, I mean, yeah, you know. Robert Sarver, you know, this investigation found that he is credibly accused of making racist and misogynist comments and, you know, running the organization, unfortunately, in a manner unbecoming of an owner, in my opinion, at least. And he's selling the team. And, you know, even in terms of just the impact that would have on an organization full of black men and an organization that has women that work there and on the same side, like on the NBA side, like Cam Johnson is in the middle of like potentially an extension talk right now. And how does that impact his play on the court? Can they even give him an extension right now? uh, Given the ownership situation being in flux with Sarver selling the team. Like these are all, these are all important things like that. I I don't know how to answer. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I I just think there's, too much uh, sideshow distraction um, and internal, obviously internal distraction. Uh, you're curious to see how even their fans react. Like that was a place my first couple of years on the beat. I mean, you could, you could get a seat in the, in the bleachers and, and move down to the first row and then they get good. And that place is absolutely packing. And it's like, now like do people take a stand on the ownership and it's very, it's going to be very complicated. I think even more nuanced than um, we can imagine for those that are actually involved. And um, yeah, man, the Deandre stuff was weird. You'd imagine that it would at least be cordial and it doesn't even sound like it's cordial right now. Let's go to the Los Angeles Lakers. Now the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, LeBron wants the team to improve defensively. Uh, Russ says that it doesn't matter if people want him here. Uh, I think that Darvin Ham said that Russ is not a definitive starter on this team. Mm-hmm. And then Rob Palinka says the team is willing to move its first round picks in order to make a leap uh, up the standings. So that's a lot. There's a lot there. With the <laughs> yeah. Lakers. A lot of things going on. Of those four things that I just mentioned, what do you think is the most important thing that came out of Lakers media day? I think the most uh, – can I switch that question to interesting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, listen, if Palinka, like, so what are they willing to move those first four? Because – I mean, it's, it seems like they're not willing to move two firsts for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald is the right. impression I've gotten. 
as somebody who now covers Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, I would imagine, and I haven't looked at their books and how hard it would be to match the salary or whatever, but I'm just, so if I'm way off base here I, I and I'm wasting time, I apologize, but them giving up one pick for Boyan seems like something that would make sense. And I know that they didn't, Utah didn't have a first round pick offer. So what is Wait, it? Wait, you, you think Utah did not? I was told that they did not have one that was enticing. Like it sounded like, oh, the, okay. yeah, 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 I'm sorry. Um, like it, to me, it sounded like the Lakers didn't even offer one. Maybe I'm, maybe I don't know that, but that's just how it, it was. Well, it, it would make sense that that's the case because the report from Andy Larson with the Salt Lake Tribune was that they had first round picks on the table, but it would require taking salary into the future. Right. The way that the Lakers would match a boy on you know, plus Clarkson or Boyan plus Conley, whatever they would want to do. The way they would match that is by Russ's deal, which is not uh, extended out into the future. It's expiring this year. So exactly. it would make sense that the Lakers had, did not offer a first round pick for Boyan. Right. So I just like first round, like I just feel like there's something there that could be done again. Maybe not. Um, it, it seems like the Lakers for given, given where they are, are a little hesitant to, to move those and I and I get making sure you have one foot in the future, but it's like the windows now. And I don't know where yep. you're at, Sam, with this team. I don't think this team is very good still. Um, yep. But the Russ thing's interesting. I mean, we've talked; it's been talked about all summer. I, I like that Darvin said it out loud. That takes a lot of cojones to do. Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, I, I think that. The important thing that came out of it is that they're sticking to their guns, that Russ is not a guaranteed starter on this team. Look, I, I think that like what Palinka said is pretty obvious. Like if they're if they get an offer where they're willing to move a first round pick, I think they'll do it. Um but I, I think that them sticking to the idea that they might not actually start Russ is critical because mm-hmm. he doesn't really fit with this starting unit. I think you can make a case that like they might be better off just given that you'd put the ball in LeBron and Anthony Davis's hands more. You could be better off starting someone like Austin Reeves. If Austin Reeves is going to shoot 37% from three or, you know, Kendrick Nunn, if Kendrick Nunn is going to shoot 39% from three. And if Russ is willing to come in and defend at a really high level and, you know, move the ball and be the transition driver that we know he can be, then yeah, sure. Absolutely. He should start like, I still think Russ can be a very valuable player. You don't just go from being like a 10 time all NBA player to being a zero like value entity. I I don't, I just can't believe without injury. Yeah. Without injury, without injury. Right. So I think if he's willing to come in and do the right things under Darvin ham, then great. But making him earn it, I think is the right idea. I agree. And I would, if I were Darvin, I would stagger it the lineup to the point that like, I don't even want to see Russ and LeBron on the floor together. Like I would have Russ run the second unit, play him with AD spam, pick and roll and let Russ be Russ. Um, Find a way to allow Russ to be Russ because as much as I want him to conform and um, maybe change his game, I think then you're walking the territory of this isn't Russell Westbrook anymore and you're losing what he's, what he's best at. Um, and what makes him who he is. But you, I think it's important for them to carve out some minutes for Russ to be Russ.
we're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP hackers and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, for instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla minus one recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan and you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon prime or something to be able to watch it. So when I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash gametheory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash gametheory to claim your account. nordvpn.com slash gametheory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash gametheory. Okay, let's go to the next topic here, which is the Brooklyn Nets. I have a lot of quotes here, starting with a beautiful one from Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving on the Nets summer. It was a clusterfuck. <laughs> Thanks, Kyrie. Good call. <laughs> accurate. <laughs> very. Um, very accurate. Sean Marks and Steve Nash did not look particularly comfortable answering questions about Kevin Durant. Um Sean Marks was quoted as saying, first and foremost, I'm not his boss. We're partners here, parroting the language uh, that has previously been stated. Uh, <laughs> and if he wanted out and still wanted out, he wouldn't be here. He said, it's pretty difficult to get like for like with a Kevin Durant trade. Said when Kevin Durant took his trade request back, plenty of GMs called Marks and essentially said, we wouldn't have dealt him either. Uh, Kevin Durant said uh, on not being traded, I'm not disappointed. Uh, then went on to say, I think it's a year of growth, a year of us looking in the mirror, 
like we fucked up as a team, you know, and that only makes you better. So I'm banking on that. I've got faith in that. We've got guys in this locker room. We've got people in this organization that want to see this organization be one of the most prominent in sports. So I'm banking on that. Durant also was asked about Kyrie Irving's contract situation uh, and if that played a factor in his desire to leave. Uh, KD said, a lot of people have in their minds that I control everything here with the Nets. I only control my job as a player. I'm not a liaison between Kyrie and the Nets. Honestly, no. I think fair. Like, I didn't really yeah. have a problem with anything KD said. I have a, I have a question for you because maybe I'm not, I'm not thinking outside the box enough. I, with this whole Nets saga, I've never understood one thing. Mm-hmm. What did Brooklyn do? Like we're like I honestly like I'm I'm pro player ninety nine point nine percent of the time, but I honestly don't understand what the Nets did wrong in this situation. They've catered to those two and Harden to the epic degree. Mm-hmm. They let them pick their coach. Um, the player chose not to get vaccinated and stay away. The other player asked for a trade. Like I don't, I'm never pro team, but I do not understand why Brooklyn needed to look in the mirror. I don't under. Am I missing something? You know, I, I don't know that it was anything Brooklyn did necessarily. I think that. And look, I, the last thing I want to do is put words in Kevin Durant's mouth because that's how you get retweeted by Kevin Durant and get the craziness <laughs> in your mentions, right? Yeah. Um, but it could have just been simply that. You know, there were questions about how good the team was going to be. And, you know, I think Kevin wants to win another title, right? Like for any explanation that you, the the thing that I try to think about with Kevin Durant when he does anything, I try to limit it to basketball straight up. Because I think that's what matters to Kevin Durant. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Kevin purely is focused on basketball matters, pure and simple. And I just wonder if he thought, hey, look, we have one year left with Kyrie. Like, that could be a problem, and Kyrie can opt out at the end of the day. Maybe he just didn't want to be stuck uh, in a bad spot where, you know, he's in his mid-30s now, and he didn't want to be in a year where he wouldn't be competing, maybe. I think I, I hear what you're saying, but to me, I autom- my brain automatically goes back to, well, if this was about basketball and competing, I have a hard time believing Sean Marks – wanted to move Jared Allen and start DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it comes back to for me. It's like, were you serious about winning? Because this guy just made an all-star team, this young 20-something yeah. year old who doesn't need the ball and can still move. But you're you're but what your words are telling me is that Sean Marks wanted DeAndre Jordan over Jared Allen. That's what he that's what he said by saying all he does is his job. So I hope KD. I love KD. I think he's the the greatest scorer I've ever seen. Um, I think he gets a bad rap, but I still just struggle to find what the Nets did wrong. I, I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't think the Nets did anything wrong. I, I think it's purely that. I, I just wonder if Kevin didn't have faith, you know, in June in the organization, and you know, maybe things have changed. Maybe he's seen Ben Simmons and sees Ben healthy and likes what Ben can bring. And maybe he sees, you know, obviously he knows what Kyrie can do and he has seen that Joe Harris is healthy again. And, you know, I don't think they've seen TJ Warren on the court yet, but maybe he, you know, but they probably have seen Royce O'Neal, which will help their perimeter defense, which was a dumpster fire last year. So mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It, it's tricky. I, I don't think the Nets did anything wrong, but uh, I will be interested to see 
how long of a leash all of this gets if things don't start well. I think the Nets have a chance to be really good. I just wonder how long of a leash everyone gets. Um, let's go to something that actually was not on our list, but I'm going to ask you about it anyway because it's important now. Mm-hmm. Um, Lonzo Ball apparently can't run or jump yet. Or walk uh, up his stairs. Yeah. And he's having, I believe, arthroscopic surgery on his knee. And it seems like he's going to miss like a pretty substantial portion of the season. I don't know if it's going to be like a month and a half, two months longer. It seems a bit unclear right now. This is like, this is a really important injury in the hierarchy of the Eastern conference, because it means that the bulls really need Alex Caruso to stay like a hundred percent healthy when that team lost Caruso and Lonzo last year, it was really hard for them to defend. And it was really hard for their offense to run as smoothly because of how good Caruso and Lonzo are as ball movers. Uh, What is your reaction to the fact that Lonzo ball, it seems like is going to miss a pretty substantial portion of the season. It feels like, well, first and foremost, as a, as a basketball fan, it sucks because I love Lonzo's story. Um, Yeah. I love that he kind of faded out of this reality TV, social media era spotlight and just settled into becoming like a really freaking good basketball player. And for what it's worth, like, I don't know if you've talked to Lonzo before. Like, I remember I talked to him at UCLA and that's never been him. Yeah. Like he's seems like it. He's always been very low key. He's always been all about the team. Like, that the reality TV stuff, like that's just never been who he is as a person. I, I kind of just want to make that clear to people. Like yeah. it, it does not surprise me. I don't think it surprises a lot of people in the league that like, this is what he settled into. Even if like superstardom didn't come, right. you know what I mean? For sure. And I've always thought, I want to put this on there. I've always thought like the family was like really cool. I always thought they, those kids yeah. seemed like polite. Like it just was what it was. Um, yeah. But like, I've I even just, talked to LeVar before and LeVar is like for all the like, I like and everything. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. He's not like as bad as what people think. I believe it. But I, I, I just genuinely like the player that Lonzo's become. So that, that stinks first yeah. and foremost. Uh, but secondly, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. This is a team that even on paper uh, right now has, a, a, even without having much success had, kind of a small window or small room for error uh, given they have DeRozan on that deal and he's getting up there in age. Um, Pat Williams, they're still trying to figure out what he is. That could be the, I mean, I think he's going to be the X factor this season uh, for them. Is he ready to take on a big role? But Lonzo was, was settling things to have Levine coming off one of his better years. um, But he's always hurt. So it's like, there's just so much possibility with the range of where the bulls can go, but to take out your, 1B, 1A defender, uh, your ball mover, which that team desperately needs on the offensive end with the other two perimeter players around him, um, it stinks, and it puts the Bulls in question. And I already didn't love their bench much last year after the injuries, and yeah. I don't, I can't think of anything they've done to juice it up this offseason. I, I can't really think of anything the Bulls have done. Yeah, I mean, so – they brought in Andre Drummond. Uh, right. Who else have they brought in? Uh, I feel like not like not like a crazy amount. Like I think that honestly, they were probably hoping that 
you know, guys like, you know, Kobe White would take a step forward, right? right? And then, you know, obviously you get Pat Williams back. Maybe you start Pat Williams and you can kind of just, you know, shift guys down in terms of role a little bit. But I mean, I think the guy that like kind of is going to have to step up here is a Kobe white, but B like they might need Dale and Terry like early. Yeah. And I really like Dale and Terry long-term. I did not think he was like ready to jump into an NBA role from day one necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is the kind of like unselfish, you know, uh, you know, havoc creator in some ways and defender that, they could kind of use without Lonzo being around. They obviously bring in Goran Dragic and he'll help stem the tide a little bit. And, you know, they have IO and maybe IO takes a bit of a leap moving forward, but I I don't, I don't know, man. Like I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit worried about the bulls is what I would say. I am too. And uh, aside from their own internal issues uh, externally, the East is pretty damn good and it happened almost overnight. So uh, yeah, I, it stinks, uh, but I think – I wonder if the Bulls will be more uh, willing to trade Mr. Pat Williams at some point this season if if things don't necessarily go as planned for uh, the roster and the team. I'll be interested to see if that happens. I'll be interested to or see Levine. if – Yeah, or the one, the one that I think would go first is Vucevic. Vucevic. Like, yeah, I think Vucevic sure. would be the one – that they try and move first and see if that could be like the spark plug kind of move. Um, But we'll see. Yeah. I I don't think it'd be Levine. I think it'd be Vooch early. Um, The Celtics apparently found out about Ime Yudoka's suspension slash everything that was going on on Twitter. uh, (laughs) If you believe them uh, in their, uh, media session uh jalen brown said no conversations as far as me on my end with email uh initial reactions we were all shocked what was going on a little confused but a lot of information wasn't being shared with us as or members of the team so you can't really comment on it um yeah th- it seems like this email yudoka situation obviously is not going away it is one of the wilder stories we've seen across the NBA in quite a long time. Uh And I really wonder, like that did not seem like a great situation, a great vibe in Boston from the coverage of media days. And, you know, now you have Joe Mazzulla stepping in, who is a 34 year old first time coach. I have no idea how that's going to go. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, Coming off a, a championship level run where they, they lose in the finals. And I kind of, the first thing I thought after Boston lost was like, I think this is going to be big for Jason Tatum and his game and seeing yep. videos of him working on his floater and stuff. Like I've, I got, I've started to get excited for Tatum season, but it's like, I don't even know. Like obviously the situation itself is uh, nuanced and, uh, Kind of hard. I don't think we know all the details yet. Yeah, I, I, like, all the even details aren't out I don't there. Think we know all the yeah. details. All the details aren't out there, so it's it is what it is. But um, yeah, I'm curious. It, it's hard for me to grasp because I don't. I it felt like Ime had a a masterful presence on that team, even just being a one a first year coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I wonder if, like, for the guys not having been around Ime that long, 
I could see it maybe like not impacting that. Like, I don't know. It's weird. I kind of like want to see it play out um, as much as success they had with him. He is still like fairly new to them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it could be that it could be that they trust Joe Missoula. It could be, they don't trust Joe Missoula. I don't know. Yeah. It, it The thing is that the Celtics felt like, look, they had the highest uh, win total over under according to Vegas coming into the year. They felt like one of the sure things this season, right? We felt very good that the Celtics were going to keep getting better. They made the finals last year. Maybe they don't make the finals again, but maybe they win more regular season games. They take a step forward. They felt like one of the sure things this year Mm league-wide. The Ime Yudoka um, suspension, which is, I mean, based off of the reporting so far, I think, could be light. Like he probably, I don't think he's ever going to coach again, but like, I think that uh, for the Celtics at the very least, but like, I don't think he should coach again. uh, If everything that has come out is right. Um, Mm -hmm. He's sending unwanted messages and, you know, had a relationship within the workplace. Like there's a reason that organizations frown on these things and it's because of the power dynamics involved. And uh, in the case of Ima Yudoka, it's not a, um, it's not something that should be accepted. But it's complicated, like it's complicated in terms of how it's going to impact the team. And I think that it seems like a Celtics organization that is searching for answers in a substantial way, um, in a way that we didn't expect coming into the year, I guess is what I would say. I think that's a great point. I think there were very few select teams who came were coming into this year without any kind of like monkey wrench into their season. And that was one of the teams until that broke. Yeah. Okay. Next up, let's go to this one. Draymond Green on a possible contract extension before the season. This is the final year of his deal. He says, I don't think it's going to happen. He has a player option for next season, um, but he can enter free agency this summer. Jordan Poole, uh, also a candidate for an extension. I'll let my reps handle that. I have faith and confidence. We'll work something out. Uh it sounded like he kind of wanted a deal, in my opinion, um, but he's not about to take less in order to do a deal. Uh, fascinating situation uh, in Golden State just because of the money involved. Like, this is about to become the most expensive team in the league, like in history, if they re-sign all of the players that are coming up for free agency uh, within yeah. the next year. And how they handle this is going to be very interesting. I... I, I don't know. Like, do they just let this ride for a year and then go like and try and figure it out again? Yeah, man, it's, it's complicated. I think if I'm Bob Meyer and Joe Lake, I think they are a very unique case. Like if I were anybody else running a team, I wouldn't do it this way. But for this group specifically, I would check in with Steph. Steph. Do you want these guys to be here as long as you want to be here? And if you're the Warriors, and that means that in two and a half years, you have the old folks home running out there and it's ugly basketball, so be it. This this group of guys completely changed how your franchise is viewed. They are, you could make a case, they are the sports team, not not just basketball team. They are the sports team of the 2010s. Um, yeah. This is like... The Warriors branding is not quite Chicago Bulls because of what Michael Jordan did, but it's going to be pretty damn close when this whole thing is done. And I think there is value in that. And I think there is 
I understand Bob and Joe's maybe hesitation in giving Draymond a four-year max deal or five-year max deal because basketball-wise, that doesn't make any sense. But sometimes when you've – they've done something that very few people to ever walk this planet have done, and I think if that means a couple of rough years at the end to to – to just kind of make everybody happy and to, to make sure this ends in the best way possible. So be it. But as you know, Sam, um, good things tend to not end well. And I'm looking forward to seeing Draymond in a like Minnesota Timberwolves Jersey at like the age of 34 or something like that. Well, here, here's the thing. So think about the way the bulls dynasty ended. Mm-hmm. It ended with them deciding on a last dance and then trying to go down the road of like the Tyson Chandler, Eddie Curry rebuild. There's no guarantee that that's going to work. And I think that what Golden State is trying to create and foster is a situation where they don't have to do that and that they're going to be able to transition smoothly with guys like Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, maybe James Wiseman, although... I will say like James Wiseman needs to really show some signs here because that is a $10 million salary that gets mighty expensive for them in terms of, you know, luxury tax payments with all of these guys that they're going to have to sign. So like this, this is the year where Wiseman's got to do something uh, to show. I still have stock. So I'm hoping he does. He's, I, I hope he does too. Uh, everything that you, you ever talk to anyone around basketball, they'll say James Wiseman is just like a terrific person mm-hmm. and that it's unfortunate that all of this has happened with him in terms of injuries. But I think that the critical thing is that if I was them, I'd just ride it out and try to build with these young guys that they think have upside and continue to try and hit in the draft. Cause there's no guarantees after that. Like worst case scenario is you keep selling tickets for Stephen Curry and Draymond green and clay Thompson. And you'll make show. your money back. Yeah. You'll make your money back. I yeah. think I would rather have the conversation of telling Draymond he's got to come off the bench in three years than seeing him in three years, wearing a different Jersey and clays over here. And right. Steph's probably going to be over there uh, because those two are gone. Like, They've done enough for a lifetime. Well, and and with Dre, too, you got to wonder. TV is calling Dre. It's coming. You know, like, let's be real about it. Like, it's coming. And I wonder how long he'll hang around at the end of his career. Like, I I don't know if he's going to be a hang around guy. He might just be. He might be someone that's like, I can walk into any TV job I want at the end of my career, point blank. And he'll be able to, and he'll be able to do it for an absolutely obscene amount of money because he deserves it because he's an awesome speaker uh, about basketball and he's opinionated and he's really, really sharp. But like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like if I was, if I was him, I might not want to hang around. Like he can be the most relevant person talking about basketball on TV when he retires. So I I don't know. It doesn't surprise me. The Jordan pool one's the bigger one for me. Like, I I just don't know what they do with Jordan pool. Um, I I would imagine they sign him, but like if I was Jordan pool, I'm not taking less than $28 million a year or whatever. Right. No, I'm with you. I I think that one's the Draymond one sucks. It's not necessarily tricky. It just sucks. Like you're gonna have to make a decision either way. The Jordan pool one's tricky. Yeah, that's tough. Okay. 
We're out of time on the Warriors. That was the first one. We got through eight without going over. I'm proud okay. of us. Good. As long as we didn't um, do it on OKC. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Andrew. Kawhi Watch is here. He's going to play this season. He looks uh, massive in like the greatest way in, possible. These, looks his thighs, enormous. dude. And his shoulders. Like he yeah. just looks absolutely enormous. Yeah. He's um, I really don't know. This is Ty Lu. I really don't know. We got to be smart about the situation, about the process. The great news about Kawhi is he feels great. Uh, I love it. I'm so excited to see Kawhi Leonard play basketball again. Kawhi Leonard is awesome. And I'm going to use this just as a jumping point. Talk about the Clippers. It feels like they're like kind of the sleeping giant this year that not enough people are talking about. If he and Paul George are healthy and at like a hundred percent, this team is so deep. Like they, they like, John Wall is like their seventh man. Robert Covington and or Marcus Morris are like their eighth and ninth men. Luke yeah. Kennard is making $16 million. And like, he's probably a part of the rotation because he's a 40% three point shooter. But like, it's no guarantees, right? Like Norman Powell exists. And yeah. Like, like they, their four guards are, you know, Reggie Jackson, John Wall, Norman Powell. And, um, you know, obviously you have, Kennard, but who who am I missing here? There's one more uh, that's like just not on top of my brain for some uh, reason. Terrence Mann. They have Terrence Mann, yeah. yeah. And like it, it's just a loaded, it's a loaded, loaded team. It's the best roster in the league, top to bottom, and I don't think it's particularly close. I don't either. Yeah. So like, it feels like this team's loaded and they're ready to make the run. If it feels like that, if Kawhi is 100, yeah. percent if if I get 70 games out of Kawhi. The Clippers are my team in the West. I think I agree with you. Like they are so good, and Kawhi, Kawhi basically getting a was a year and a half off. Yeah. Was it two? Yeah, it's about uh, a year and a half. Yeah. I still think when he's healthy, like he's the third best player in basketball. Um, yeah. Paul George is like one of my favorite players of the last ten yeah. years. So like I'm very biased, but I just think Paul's a phenomenal player. And I mean, everybody thinks Paul's phenomenal, but like I, him and Kawhi together, um, doing that team doing what it did last year without uh, Kawhi, I think that really was big for like just the confidence of even like the few young players they did throw in there, and and like you said, having that kind of almost like resurrection squad that they had with Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris, and I'm probably missing somebody else, but it is um, Nick Batum. Nick Batum, like- yeah, like. Like, here's the thing. Like, Amir Coffey would be in the rotation for 80% of teams around the yeah. league, 85% of teams around the league. Yeah. He might be the Clippers' like 12th man. Yeah. Like, it's, it's and I crazy. I think they like, like Jason crazy. Preston, too. Like, and he yeah. will probably be in the G. Do they have a G League? What's the only team without a G? Yeah. G-League? Yeah. The, the Agua Caliente. That's right. The G League team. That's yeah. right. So, like, on paper, my pick to win it all this year, if healthy, is the Bucks. I think the Bucks get there this year. Uh, but I, I think the Clippers. If I can get seventy games out of Kawhi, I'll even go. To, I'll even give them sixty-seven. Uh, they're my pick. All right, Muscle Watch twenty twenty-two is on. We had an all-timer from James Harden. Someone asked him about getting into better shape. He said he's lost a hundred pounds. Tweet that. <sighs> James Harden, just an absolute uh, king. He looks like he's in great shape. Shout he out does James look Harden. good. Yeah. Yeah. Not uh, Derek Rose 
has lost 20 pounds. He looked very skinny. That uh, shocked very, me. Very, very skinny. I, yeah. I didn't I didn't know that until I saw it in our conversation. I didn't, I didn't know that. I, I haven't seen the photos. I got to check that out. Yeah, he's Derek Rose has been doing like a lot of he's been like a big proponent of like yoga and Pilates and like um like core stabilization stuff from very holistic gather, of course. Yeah. He, I noticed um, that in Detroit. That's one thing I want to say. Derek Rose is one of the fa- my favorite players I've covered from a uh personality standpoint. I know stuff in his past with me covering him, I was very surprised how for as quiet as he seems to be and just kind of this large in life figure he once was that is one of the most down to earth people i've covered it's uh, interesting who loves Very the game yeah yeah um but most importantly to move on from derrick rose <laughs> alexei pokushevsky pokuism is back and thriving on the game theory podcast i love poku he's up to 210 let's go poku poku's up to 210 baby yeah, the league, sir. the league, po- it's getting po- taken by storm this year. Poku's don't you be worry, something. he's gonna be something one day. Cade's up to two twenty six. Throw oh, that one it. in there. Yeah. So let, let's let's do that. Let's finish on that. Detroit Pistons media day because I'm sure there are people watching for you and want to hear about the Pistons. Okay. Um, Detroit Pistons media day. What what is uh, what are the most important things you learned? Um. Yeah, Cade put on weight. I I, I noticed it in his shoulders. Um, the Pistons are ready. See, it's not. This is kind of uh, the Pistons are ready to like compete every night. They're, yeah. They didn't put a a cap on what's acceptable in terms of postseason or not, but they want to be the team that that you hate playing every night, which they did at the end of last year. So building off that, um, I think that they're gonna go Stewart, Bojan. Bay, Ivy, and Cade to start the year. I think Dwayne's going to give Ivy every opportunity to start. And Burks is out okay. until Burks is out for he's he's going to be reevaluated in three weeks. So that spot is really there for him to lose. Um, yeah, they're going to be fun. Yeah, it was very cliche, a lot of cliche stuff, but it was um, they're going to be a fun group for sure. I saw you tweeting out Killian Hayes shot mechanics. Yeah, uh, videos. Kevin O'Connor's waiting, baby. He is He's waiting for Killian. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, shout out to KOC. I'll, the only time KOC interacts with my tweets is if it's a Killian story. Like I, whenever oh, I post a Killian story, it's either a like or a retweet because he knows it's kind of. I, I always know that's funny. This could be the year. KOC, next James Harden. Love KOC. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, funny. I have to. I have to do a quick mea culpa while we were talking about the uh, boy on trade. Uh, yeah. I was just like rolling through Pistons players. Like I was, I was on a roll, right? Just running through them talking about spacing. Right. And I was like, yeah. yeah, they got like 40% three point shooters. And I ripped off Frank Jackson is like the last name. And I paused and I was like, Frank Jackson still play. And like, I think people could see it like on the video where I was like, <laughs> pondering Frank it. Jackson still play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think Pistons fans, uh, I noticed, I noticed I'm getting like fucking torn to shreds in the YouTube comments hey, for saying Frank fans, Jackson, but relax. I'm with it. No, no, no. no I'm with relax. It. He's I'm with it. Listen, if, if you I, come I knew to it say, as soon as I said it, put it that way. There's that. And it's like, come on guys. Like you, Sam knows a lot of shit. Don't forgive him for not knowing the 12th man on the team that won 21 games. 
left and nah, is, it, like don't it was just on. it was just funny to be honest like i was yeah. like i was like on raw i was like ripping off i'm like yeah like i'm excited to see like alec burke like i'm yeah. excited to see like you know Cade play with like alec burks and sadiq and Boyan and like maybe isaiah stewart shoots this year and like yeah. all these there's all this spacing and he's going to be able to just spray the ball out wide and everything mm-hmm. like we're gonna roll right yeah um I fucking ripped off frank jackson his last name people couldn't believe thing, i did it couldn't believe with, i did it this is the thing with pistons fans they are obsessed when national people talk about the team so they get excited and then when you say one thing that might even hint that you're not a hundred percent on your oh, p's and q's when it comes to the team they turn on you but guys no, sam that's on me that's on me when it comes to national people Sam knows a lot about your basketball people, your basketball team, a lot more than a lot of other people. So give Sam some uh, slack. Cut him some slack, people. It was funny. I was in. Okay, James, tell the people what you've got coming up this week uh, in terms of writing. Tell the people where they can find you on the internet. Yeah, if you're in, uh, in into the Pistons or if you're from France or if you just like Killian Hayes like KOC, um, I had a story yesterday that – talking to Killian's longtime trainer about the work that went into to tweaking his jump shot. Um, you can check that out on the athletic about two hours ago. I posted a Q and a with who I think will be the Pistons breakout player this year, Isaiah livers, um, who had his, Oh first... man, we need to talk about Isaiah. Oh man. I'm so in. Oh, okay. Your face made me think that like, I, I, you thought I was crazy. No, I'm so, I think he's good. Like he's, I, w- I thought he was going to start before. I thought he might start before they got, did the boy on trade. Yeah. He's going to be yeah. good. He was so I'm good. I'm with him. League. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I'm definitely with you. That's my pick for the Pistons breakout player this year. Um, I did a Q&A with him. He has not had a healthy summer since 20 or full summer since 2019, 2020 COVID, obviously. And then if you know about him, he had a foot injury and surgery at yep. the end of Michigan and missed all of last year. Uh, so check that out. And then, um, yeah, l- later on this week, there's the, there'll be Pistons stuff throughout the week. But those two are freshen up right now if you want to check, check those out. James is the best. Go follow him. Uh, I am in the middle of like trying to get stuff together on draft content moving forward. But next week, I will certainly be writing about the Scoot Henderson, Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes um, yes. that will be occurring in Las Vegas next week. So until next time, keep it locked here at the Game Theory Podcast. But we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.